Buying a master mechanics tool set usually means high prices, higher interest rates, and who knows how many years of monthly payments. But at GearWrench, we don't believe that your tools should take years and years to pay for. So check out Mega Mod Master Sets, the master mechanics tool sets that deliver pro-quality tools, organized storage solutions, an easy-to-use lifetime warranty, and much, much more. All for thousands less than you'd expect. So don't wait. Explore the sets and check availability now. Only at GearWrench.com. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hannah, if you had top-secret clearance and you could access any classified government information, what would you want to know about? I think I would want to know what the real plan is in the event of nuclear war. There's no point in you getting hysterical at a moment like this. I bet it's a little more grim than we think it is. What about you? The Mary Celeste. What's the Mary Celeste? Is that a The ghost ship? ship. Oh! It was discovered and no one was on board and there was no sign of a scuffle. It was like the 1800s though. I don't think that Top Secret Declare, I don't think <laughs> Top Secret Clarence is going to tell me about the Mary Celeste. <laughs> I have another question for you, though, Hannah. Yeah, well, How good are you at keeping secrets? I think I'm pretty good, but then at the same time, when I buy someone something fun for their birthday, like, I could just tell you right now. I've always prided myself on the idea that I think I would be able to keep any secret if I really had to. If the stakes were high enough and it was like people will get hurt if you share this secret. Uh, Yeah, I'm taking it to my grave. Like what a privilege. It's classified. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. Well, there's a job, Hannah, that requires that kind of dedication. And I think you just might be the person for it. I work for the government. I have the highest possible security clearance. Don't repeat that. Mm -hmm. I can't protect you. Because the federal government has a huge amount of sensitive information. From military movements, to criminal investigations, to scientific and technological developments, to information about individuals. Close to 3 million people have some form of security clearance, which gives them access to that classified information. Oh, it must be precious cargo. Yeah, it's just government secrets. (laughs) This is Civics 101. I'm Hannah McCarthy. And I'm Nick Capodice. Today we're talking about how the government keeps its secrets and what it takes to get into the classified club. Mr. Simpson, please cover your ears while I say the secret access word. Cheese. Today's guest is Juliet Kayyem, professor of international security at Harvard's Kennedy School of Government and national security analyst for CNN. She formerly served as assistant secretary for intergovernmental affairs at the Department of Homeland Security under President Obama. And she spoke with her former host, Virginia Prescott, in 2017. Okay, so there's three levels, at least for the federal government. Uh, The top level is, of course, top secret. That's information that, if disclosed, would cause exceptionally grave damage. That's the standard. Okay, hang on. What does she mean by exceptionally grave damage? Some examples of exceptionally grave damage include armed hostilities against the United States or its allies, 
the compromise of vital national defense plans or complex cryptologic and communications intelligence systems, the revelation of sensitive intelligence operations, and finally, the disclosure of scientific or technological developments vital to national security. What does that just boil it down for me? <laughs> Basically, top secret information is the most important information, and that classification is used relatively sparingly. So how does the government decide what rises to that very highest level of top secret? There is a way to distinguish between top secret and everything else. The key difference between the top secret and the other classification uh, levels is that top secret tends to show to the reader, say the president or secretary of defense, what we call sources and methods. How are we getting that information? You know, we have uh, a spy in an ISIS ring in Germany, uh, and he's telling us this. And so, gosh, if that were disclosed or made public, you basically someone, that person would die. All right, got it. Top secret is the highest clearance. What are the other two? The next is secret, which is if disclosed or released would cause serious damage. And then confidential, it just tends to be these are things that the government needs to know for a variety of reasons, and it could be expected to cause damage. It's so interesting that you've got these qualifications of exceptionally serious, serious, and just damage, right? Like, like someone in the government had to sit down and define that. What does that mean? I wouldn't even know how to define that for my own self. So you've got top secret, that's exceptionally grave damage, right? Secret is serious damage. But what is the difference between exceptionally grave and serious damage? This is information that is still pretty important but without those sources and methods. So it could be intel about an ISIS ring in Germany, but it wouldn't include the people who got the information or how they got it. But okay, when it comes to confidential, right? Juliet said it could just cause damage. So is that like, you know... Like casual, callous gossip. <laughs> You're actually not far off. A good example of that would be maybe a memo from someone in the State Department discussing the, uh, you know, the the drinking habits of the prime minister of some country. You just don't want, you know, you don't want that out there. My question is, if someone has top secret security clearance, are they able to know all of the government secrets about anything? That would be cool, wouldn't it? But it's a little more complicated than that. It's very compartmentalized and rightfully so. So that the fact that you have the access does not grant you the right to see all materials that are designated as, say, top secret. In other words, if I have top secret clearance as relates to, say, homeland security issues, I can't just email, you know, or call someone in the department security offices and say, I'm really interested in North Korea's nuclear policy. Uh, can I see those top secret materials? And that's where the phrase need to know comes in. You're on a need to know basis. You don't need to know. Even if someone has the clearance for certain intelligence, they may not have access to it unless they need that information for a specific purpose. This is important because, as we said earlier, around 3 million people have some sort of security clearance. And that group isn't just made up of government employees and military personnel. For example, the Department of Defense uh, may ask a team of cyber experts to come in and, and give them advice on uh, you know, cybersecurity. So that's why outsiders sometimes have uh, security clearances. However, the majority of people who have clearance, uh, about 70 percent in 2013, were military and government employees, like Juliet, who worked for the Department of Homeland Security under President Obama. 
So I've heard a lot, especially in the past, like, six to eight years or so about applying for security clearance, right? And how it can be this long, massive process. If you've been invited to do work that requires a clearance, you have to undergo an investigation. The government digs into your personal information and your background to determine if you're trustworthy. Sounds stressful. So who is in charge of approving or denying security clearance? Most agencies and departments of the government, they conduct their own investigations using the same basic procedures and an investigation service provider, or ISP. The main ISP is the Office of Personnel and Management, which is an independent agency in the executive branch. And do you want to take a guess, Hannah, uh, as to which department has the most security clearances? I'm going to guess the one that's conducting secret dangerous operations all over the world that they don't want people to know about, a.k.a. the Department of Defense. Yeah, you got it. The Department of Defense holds over 80% of security clearances. And the DOD has its own investigation service provider called the Defense Investigative Service. When you say investigation, like what does that actually mean? Well, essentially, the government is trying to create a timeline of your life, including all the big moments and all the people in it. So in my case, and in most cases, uh, what you do is you, you know, fill out the famous forms with lots of details uh, about where you've lived, uh, your debt, your marital status, your husband or wife or partner's actions, uh, where you've traveled, who you've known, who you've talked to, any questions about drug use, about your, you know, support of the United States and its government. Uh, it is painful from any, <laughs> from any perspective. And the form she's talking about is called the SF. 86. It's got all your identifying information, including your proof of citizenship. By the way, Hannah, only U.S. citizens can get security clearance, though in some circumstances, a non-U.S. citizen can receive a limited access authorization. A lifetime in America has taught me that government forms are boring enough as it is, so I can only imagine that this is the epitome of the boring government form. You also have to provide information about your parents and your siblings, including step-parents, half- and step-siblings, children, and in-laws. So if you have any kind of family drama, which is every human being on the planet, I can imagine that can get a little tough or awkward. And then there is a record of your mental and psychological health, your criminal record, and a history of drug and alcohol use. And here's one that is super interesting to me, your financial record. What I was most shocked to learn is that over half of the people who are denied security clearance are denied because of financial issues, like significant debt. Like my student loans might hurt my chances. Yeah. (laughs) Any unpaid bills. I understand that, though, because if you're on the hook for a great deal of money to some other organization, you're kind of a liability. Yeah. If you owe a large amount of money to someone, to anyone, It's much easier for outside forces to manipulate you, to give you favors, to take care of that debt. How long does this whole process take? Like a lot of things, it depends on the level of urgency and who the person is. Let's use someone like Rex Tillerson, a perfect example. Probably someone who who may have had security clearances in the past. He's a private citizen. He's got complicated financial uh, dynamics. Rex Tillerson, CEO of oil giant ExxonMobil, now tapped to be Trump's Secretary of State. 
a man with no government experience, but decades of deal-making and international business ties. Those ties include extensive relations with Russia, and most notably, Vladimir Putin. They can probably get through that one uh, in two to three weeks, but they're putting a lot of resources behind it. For a lot of people, like, say, my students who may be coming in as a CIA analyst, just, you know, looking at things online um, and doing analysis for the CIA, it can take anywhere from six to eight months. I want to come back to this fact that over half of the people who don't get security clearance are denied because of debt. But what are some of the other reasons someone might be denied? Things like personal conduct, like if you're telling fibs on an application or you have a history of conduct issues. Another issue is, quote, foreign influence, like you have foreign family members or a financial stake in other countries. I think it's more common that the agents will come back to you and say, we have some questions about this. So my parents, uh, my mother was born in Lebanon. There, you know, there's, there's greater concern about people with foreign-born uh, relatives, especially a mother or father or a spouse. That seems fair since these are national security issues. And so then they did need me to go back and sort of validate or verify, not just just her, but her nine brothers and sisters. So you are sort of diving into the depths of your own history. And drug use. For example, marijuana use, though it is legal in many states, is still a red flag for security clearance. All right, once the government has finished combing through your personal life and decided that you are trustworthy enough to get clearance... What happens next? Do you have a special badge? Do you have a card that you keep in your wallet? All right, we'll get to that. And we're going to talk about how security clearance works in the day-to-day operations of the government and what it's like to have it right after this. But before the break, this is your weekly reminder that we have a newsletter. It's called Extra Credit. It comes out every two weeks. And I warmly recommend that if you haven't subscribed yet, you take a moment to subscribe right now at civics101podcast.org. Basically, the newsletter is the place where we put all of the stuff that we had to cut from the episode. So if you want to know, for example, about the different classified information that has been leaked or see some pictures of the secure rooms where top secret meetings take place, you can get all that, but only if you are subscribed to Extra Credit. Again, go to civics101podcast.org to subscribe today. And I swear it's not annoying. It's just a really great newsletter. Hey there, everyone. Hey, folks. The whole Civics 101 team is here in D.C. for a week. That's why you hear cars and stuff whizzing by. Uh, We are in the district to talk to the people that we talk about on a daily basis. And a lot of those people work in the executive branch. That is the largest employer in the world. And a lot of those people work in the civil service where, after the assassination of James Garfield, it's a long story, they take an exam to make sure that they are the right person for their job. But if you run a business and you're not the federal government, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all, but to match instead with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. 23 hires are made on Indeed every minute, and their matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use it, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com civics. Just go to Indeed.com slash civics right now to support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash civics. Terms and conditions apply. You need to hire? 
You need Indeed. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Welcome back. You're listening to Civics 101, and we are talking security clearance. Okay, so Nick, let's just say that I just got top secret security clearance, basically my dream. How do I prove that I have that clearance? You don't walk around with a badge all the time that says TS for for top security clearance. You carry that clearance everywhere you go. Um, And so you will be invited or not invited to various briefings uh, depending on that security level. Uh, Most uh, government agencies have what's called security offices. That's uh, people designated to ensure that government employees who get access to certain information are allowed to get access to that information. So that's essentially how it works in terms of functioning of government. And this gets back to what Juliet said earlier about how there's a lot of need to know and compartmentalization. Top secret clearance doesn't automatically get you into any briefing. So most of the time, um, you will meet in rooms that are designated by the classification. So the meeting will be designated a certain classification level. So you you're actually can't go unless you have that classification level. So you meet, and you don't meet in you know, the hallway, you meet in what's called a SCIF. That's S-C-I-F. That's a secure compartmentalized information facility. So those are spread throughout the federal government. For example, at Homeland Security, there are, I think, a couple dozen SCIFs within the facility, including the secretary's office. And so in that way, there are processes that keep the wrong people out well before you're sitting in the room. So it would would mean it was bad planning if someone in the room were given top secret information and they didn't have that classification. Another big no-no in the SCIF is cell phones. The cell phone thing makes sense. I mean, you can use a cell phone to record anything, right? And what about the president? Does the president just automatically have the highest security clearance? Are there any restrictions on the president's access? No, none. I mean, none that I know of. Um, uh, You know, maybe there's some super squirrely world. Uh, No, if the president wanted any information, he could be subject to it. I think people should know, though, is each principal, whether it's, you know, lower assistant secretary, higher secretary or a president, each principal uh, 
likes their information given to them in certain ways. The principals are those officials who have security clearance and the staff who prepare intelligence reports for them. They're known as briefers. And so what will happen is the briefers will amend how they present classified information to the principal depending on their issues. A great anecdote that I wrote about about Secretary Napolitano, my boss at the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, People forget this, but she wanted uh, her first part of her classified briefing, most of this is not classified, to be weather reports. Uh, Because for her, before she got to the classified stuff, she wanted her briefings to include unclassified weather reports. And so that's what the agents did. I would encourage you not to focus too much on whether it's a category two or three. Uh, If you are in the storm path, you you won't be able to tell uh, much difference. So let me... Now, I have heard that you can have your security clearance revoked, which would be such a bummer. How does that happen? So one is the obvious one, which is you abuse the the obligations you have for having that security clearance. And you either abuse it purposefully, leaks or whatever else, or even on accident. A federal judge today ordered the New York Times to suspend temporarily publication of a series of reports based on a secret Pentagon study of how the United States became involved in the Vietnamese War. The The Pentagon Papers. It is one example of deliberate leaking of top secret information. 1971, Daniel Ellsberg smuggled thousands of pages of a classified report about the war in Vietnam, which showed that President Johnson had engaged in expanded secret military operations and lied about it to Congress and the public. I can't regret having done what I knew at the time to be what I ought to do. My duty as a citizen. Uh, I have no no way that I can regret that. Ellsberg was charged with conspiracy, espionage, and theft of government property. But it doesn't have to be that big. Even small mistakes can cost you your clearance. You know, there are rules about how we treat classified information for a reason, and I'm I'm incredibly unsympathetic to people who even make mistakes. I mean, you are you are briefed on this stuff. You don't take stuff home. You don't put stuff in your briefcase. One of the things we always see in TV shows and movies are people with security clearance getting in trouble for spilling secrets to their partners or spouses. Is that a thing? Apparently it is, Hannah, because there are rules about it. The thing that they tell you, which I always take to heart because my husband also had top secret clearance at a different part of federal government, is uh, pillow talk. cannot casually say, oh, we're dealing with this. Like, you actually have to have, you know, sort of enough devotion to your service to the country to not disclose to a spouse, because the worry is, is someone says to their spouse, you know, oh, we're we're doing X, Y, and Z, or I'm really nervous about that. That spouse casually says to someone else, and then that person ends up being married to a reporter. For example, former CIA director David Petraeus was investigated after an affair with his biographer, Paula Broadwell, came to light. Meanwhile, FBI investigators continue to pour over Broadwell's computer and boxes of evidence taken from her Charlotte home to determine if she had classified information she was not entitled to possess. This morning... 
The other way it gets revoked is obviously termination. You got to sign a whole bunch of stuff, uh, giving up your security clearance, hand in anything that you might have in your office that's designated as secure and be escorted off the facilities. I'm curious about Juliet's opinion on this. Does she believe that the security clearance system works? I do. I do. I mean, I think you hear a lot about it now because there's a certain casualness about classified information or top secret information that you saw in the early days of the Trump administration. He's he's getting briefed at Mar-a-Lago or they're, they're having meetings that aren't exactly skiffs. President Trump and Japan's Prime Minister Abe dining in public at Mar-a-Lago this weekend, learning North Korea just launched a ballistic missile into the Sea of Japan. The two appearing to handle the preliminary response right there in front of other diners. You know, it's not so much you worry that the people in the room are talking to reporters. Is that, you know, unless you have a secure room, whatever is being discussed, including top secret information, uh, could be eavesdropped on by uh, foreign agencies. However, there was one thing we mentioned earlier that Juliet said is a challenge for security clearance. Government contractors. Remember, a lot of government work, especially in national security intelligence, is done by contractors because you just really need a lot of bodies and it's sometimes easier to get them uh, outside. Those people do go through security clearance reviews. But, you know, if you look at Edward Snowden in some cases since, that seems to be uh, where there is a, a loophole. Government investigators thought they knew Edward Snowden. He went through a background check, took a polygraph test and sat through personal interviews. Then the government gave him access to some of its biggest secrets. From your Edward Snowden NSA. was the contractor who leaked classified information from the NSA, the National Security Agency, revealing government surveillance programs that had secretly monitored individuals through their phones. I also remember how after President Trump was elected, there was some controversy about his son-in-law, right, Jared Kushner, mm. being given clearance. Right, Kushner, like Rex Tillerson, had, quote, foreign interests those personal or financial ties to other countries. In Kushner's case, he had met with Russian contacts, including the ambassador and the head of a Russian-owned bank, in the months leading up to his security clearance investigation. Any other human being who did what he did, and just to remind your listeners, he failed to disclose a lot of these meetings and his first uh, round of disclosures through the classified uh, screening process. Any normal person like you and me who was going through this process who did that, it, like you're like so not going to get your security clearance or it's going to be revoked. In other words, if I got security clearance and then it was later learned that I had recent, that's what I have to remind people, these were recent meetings between uh, myself and Russia, um, my, my security clearance would be revoked. It's interesting because you have this ostensibly airtight process to grant someone security clearance. And a person like me or you would have to jump through so many hoops to get there, right? Right. But someone with potentially more red flags than either of us combined, given how close they are to power, how much power they themselves have, can find the loophole into that elite world of security clearance. People have entirely different experiences on getting security clearance based on how much power they have. This is a system that was put into place to ensure that only people who could be trusted with sensitive information are able to have access to it, especially information that could impact our safety and security. But as with most systems of government, it is designed and run by people, 
So it's only as strong and secure as the individuals who uphold it. This episode was produced by Christina Phillips. Our staff includes Jackie Fulton. Rebecca Lavoie is our executive producer. Music in this episode by Pro Reese, First Bassists, The Waiting World, Matt Large, Oi, Commodity, Ketza, Blue Dot Sessions, Chris Zabriskie, and Animal Weapon. You can find every episode of Civics 101 at civics101podcast.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Civics 101 is a production of NHPR, New Hampshire Public Radio. room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 